always talking. <laughs> In Italian, it sounds much nicer. Oh, you know, yeah. He's content to be a jerk. He doesn't care who knows it. This is the Shut Up, You're Always Talking podcast with pizza artist Eric John. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shut Up, You're Always Talking. Uh, I am uh, pizza artist Eric John. Uh, welcome to the show. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, before I jump right into the topics, uh, of course, I, I want to tell everybody about Yacht Club Soda. Yacht Club Soda, uh, this this company makes the absolute best, best artisan sodas in the entire world. I've been drinking this soda since I was a little kid. Uh, it's local here in Rhode Island. Uh, it's Rhode Island's official soda, believe it or not. And you can order Yacht Club Soda online by going to yachtclubsoda.com. Um, summer's coming up, and uh, let me tell you something. There's nothing better than an ice-cold Yacht Club Soda on a hot summer day. I, I, you, I'll put it up against anything, against anything. Um, the flavors are amazing. They've got blue raspberry. That's a really popular one. Uh, they got grapefruit. They've got uh, lemon lime, orange cream, uh, root beer, regular cola, roadie red. There's, there's, just go to the website, check it out, order yourself uh, some soda. They'll ship it right to your house, um, and you will not regret it. So once again, please go to yachtclubsoda.com um, and uh, order some soda from my friend John. Uh, it's the best stuff. I swear to you, you will not be disappointed. Um, all right, so let's get started with the show today. We've got a few topics I'd like to talk about. Um, uh, first, uh, so actually I, I watched, uh, Mandalorian. I watched the, the latest episode of Mandalorian and, uh, man, I didn't think, I didn't think it could get worse, uh, for star Wars and Disney star Wars, but I really do think this is a new low for Disney star Wars. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later uh, towards the end of the show today. Um, I wasn't even planning on talking about it, but it's, it's so bad. I just, I don't think I can ignore it. So I will be talking about that in a little bit. Um, but first, uh, you know, the big story of course is Donald Trump and the indictment and everyone's losing their fucking minds. Uh, all the anti-Trumpers are like, this is our moment. We finally got him. You know, it's like, he's going down. The walls are closing in. Uh, you've got all the Trump fans who are like, you know, this is total bullshit. Um, this is a witch hunt. Uh, he's a political prisoner, right? You've got like over the top rhetoric on either side of things here. Um, you know, and I, I, for the most part, I feel like the anti-Trump side of things tends to get the most airplay, you know, on, on in, in terms of mainstream media and, you know, I think, you know, for me, there's something about the Trump thing. Like, I'm I'm not I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Trump lover. You know, I didn't vote for the guy. I don't really vote in general, uh, to be honest. Um, you know, I sometimes in local elections, like town elections and stuff. But, you know, I mean, <clears throat> let's just look at the presidential race. You know, I, I live in Rhode Island. It, it doesn't matter who I vote for in Rhode Island in, in terms of the president of the United States. It's just, you know, the Democrats going to win 60, 40, pretty much no matter what you do or who you throw up there. That's pretty much what it's going to be. Uh, so I don't concern myself too much with who to vote for, who not to vote for. But, you know, I pride myself on being able to look at these sorts of things unbiasedly um, and dispassionately. Uh, I don't I don't really care about Donald Trump. I don't hate him. I don't love him. Uh, you know, he makes me laugh and I appreciate that. You know, there's things that he did that I, I really liked that he did. Um, there's things that he did that I really hated. Most of the things that he's done that I hate are not the things that most people hate about him, you know, and, and, and I feel like the things I really hate that he did, people don't even know about. And, you know, are, are I think they're more important to be honest with you. Um, but I was watching uh, uh, Jeremy Grimes uh, from Geeks and Gamers yesterday. He was doing a live stream during the uh, during the indictment proceedings, and um, he was commenting on the news coverage and stuff like that. And I first let me just say I love Jeremy. I, I I'm a huge fan. I, I watch his channel all the time. I love Geeks and Gamers. Uh, I think those guys fucking rock. Uh, the, you know he is a super talented broadcaster. Uh, he makes me laugh, uh, and uh, I just always enjoy watching him. So 
you know, I, I absolutely nothing against Jeremy. Um, but he, he gave, he did a little rant on his live stream yesterday and it just made me think, it, it made me think about a few different things in regards to Trump. So I wanted to play it just viewer or listener discretion advised. It's a lot of strong language. Um, but I want to play it because I think there's some really interesting things about it. And I think it's a good example of, you know, it's a good example of why the people who really love Trump love Trump. And, and I just, I don't, I feel like, you know, the people who love Trump, I think they get why people hate him for the most part. I think they get it like intellectually. I don't think the people that hate Trump really get why people love Trump intellectually and where they're coming from in a lot of respects. Um, and then of course for me, I, you know, I look at it a little bit differently than Jeremy does, but I gotta say, you know, at the same time, some of the stuff he says, it, it, you know, it's hard to argue with some of what he says. So why don't we take a listen to it real quick together and, um, and then we'll, and then we'll talk about it. The, uh, exercise is that machina or machina. Um, let's not nominate the guy who didn't, let's see, let's not nominate the guy who didn't fire Fauci. Again, if you think that one decision that you disagree with is enough to support Brandon or a rhino, that's your business. I think that's fucking retarded. Um, imagine not wanting to vote for Trump because he did one or two things you didn't like. So your options are a fucking rhino who's fucking pushed by the Bush family and Paul Ryan or Joe Biden. Yeah, go ahead and keep crying that Donald Trump did a few things you didn't fucking like. So go ahead and support somebody that has the fucking Bush family behind them. Go ahead and do that. That makes a lot of fucking sense. That's why we're in this position to begin with because of fucking retards like you. Trump did three things that I didn't like, so I'm going to support somebody that's backed by the fucking Bush family. The people that start fucking wars for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan, you fucking idiot. But go ahead and do that. Make sure you subscribe to the Daily Wire as well. Holy fuck. God, he did two things I didn't like, so therefore I've got to support the fucking Bush family so I can get more fucking wars and have dead soldiers, tens of thousands of dead soldiers. Jesus Christ, you fucking people. Makes no sense. Jesus, fuck. Guess what? In life, in life, do you understand that everyone's not going to agree with everything you say? There's going to be disagreements. Human beings are going to make mistakes. Bad things are going to happen. And nobody's perfect. I know it's a shocking thing. Trump fucked up with the Fauci thing. Breaking fucking news. He did bad with the jabs. Breaking fucking news. He hired some bad people in his administration. Breaking fucking news. He also gave us the best fucking economy known to man. He also made historic peace deals around the world. He also started no new wars. He also had record unemployment. But hey, let's focus on a couple of bad things he did. Okay, so, I mean, as you can hear there, I mean, he's super fired up. And I think, you know, I think it's worth, worth, worth noting that like before he was reading this particular comment and he reacted to it, I mean, he was you know, animated, but sort of a normal level. And this, this really got him going. And I think that, um, you know, what, I think what people don't understand about people who love Trump, like Jeremy, is that for them, it's, I feel like it really is a do or die scenario. You know, the way they look at it, it's like, it's Trump or nobody else that Trump is the great last hope. Okay. Um, and you know, when I was listening to this, I was thinking, you know, he was saying to this person, you know, calling him an idiot and saying, you know, Oh, he, you know, you don't, you're not going to vote for Trump because of one thing he got wrong. I mean, let's, let's just be frank here. The Fauci thing and COVID and the lockdowns, it's a pretty big fucking thing to get wrong. It's a pretty big fucking thing to, to screw up. It really is. And I think what's sad about it is that I think he had the right instincts and you could tell by the way he was talking about it and the way that he was acting and, you know, he, you could tell he, it didn't make sense to him to shut down the country. And that it, I get the impression that he didn't really want to do that, but I think politically speaking, and I think just in terms of optics, he, I think he was afraid. I think he was afraid to not lock down the country. I think he was afraid of being the president who let 
millions and millions of people die because he didn't lock down the country. Even though his gut told him otherwise. And I think his, his gut proved to be true. You know, we've got reports from John Hopkins and lots of different places saying just how devastating the lockdowns were and that they weren't necessary and that they didn't do anything to to stop the spread of COVID. And that if anything, some of these measures actually might have made the death toll higher when it comes to COVID, whether it's shutting down beaches and forcing people indoors all summer or sending people back into nursing homes, old sick people back into nursing homes like Governor Cuomo did, like our governor here in Rhode Island did. You know, so it's a pretty big fucking thing to screw up. And DeSantis, on the other hand, when it comes to COVID, just has a much better record. He does. He does. Now, that being said, what Jeremy's saying about Trump not starting any new wars, that's true. He didn't start any new wars. He continued all of the wars that were still going on. He could have put people in place and fired generals and, and, and you know cleared out the Pentagon and brought everybody home. He could do that as the commander-in-chief. That's the, one of the few things he can do. But he didn't do it. Now, maybe he knows things we don't know. That's possible. Um, so I don't like to give him too much credit on the foreign policy front, but compared to his contemporaries, compared to Obama, who started three wars, okay, basically he, he escalated the, the second Iraq war, which was, was basically a third Iraq war in, in effect. He started the war in Libya. He had the, the, he had the war in Syria, of course, the genocide that's going on in Yemen. All of that is on Obama's watch. So four, basically four wars. Okay. Yeah. We don't have planes flying missions over Yemen, but our relationship with the Saudis and, and the, the money that we're pumping in there and the, the other types of military aid that we're providing that, that's killing these people, it's all on him. Right. And, and don't even get me started on George W. Bush. With Iraq War II and that bullshit, Clinton was was sending troops all over the place, whether it was in Bosnia or uh, Rwanda. Um, did we send troops into Rwanda? Now I'm actually second guessing myself. I know we did in Somalia. Maybe we didn't in Rwanda, and that was actually like a story. But Somalia, we sent military aid to. Um, you know the whole thing in the Balkans, right? We were enforcing a no-fly zone over Iraq the entire time. But I'm just my, my my point is is that compared to his contemporaries, Trump was probably one of the most peaceful presidents that we've had since Jimmy Carter, certainly. You know, uh, in terms of making peace deals, yes, he did that. You know, he he brokered peace with North Korea. He got Israel and a lot of these other countries to the table to, to sign historic peace deals. I mean, I don't know how much they, I don't know how much teeth are in these deals or how much they, uh, how much they mean in the grand scheme of things. Maybe it's just lip service. I don't know, but he, but he did it. It's more than you can say for any of these other people that came before him, and you know, at least since I've been alive, since Reagan helped end the Cold War. It's the, it, you know, no one's done more than Trump to advance peace. Yet we give a peace prize to Obama before he was even what, a week into his presidency. Just by virtue of him getting elected, he got the Nobel Peace Prize. And then he started four wars. Give me a fucking break. You know, so what Jeremy's saying here, it, 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 he's got a good point. It's like, okay, so you look at DeSantis. DeSantis, yes, he's backed by the Bush family. I, you know, he's a governor of Florida. He doesn't have foreign policy purview. Who knows what he's going to do when he gets into the White House? He might start three more wars for the military-industrial complex. You know, we, we don't know. But on the other hand, we know with Trump that, you know, on certain big things, he, I don't know, man, did he drain the swamp? Did he drain it? I mean, what, what does that mean? What does that make you think of when someone says they're going to drain the swamp? To me, that means you're going to just, you're going to get rid of everybody. 
And he didn't. Yeah, he got to appoint his own cabinet secretaries. You know, the, the, the first couple uh, levels of, of cabinet secretaries and undersecretaries. You know, he gets to a point. He should have gotten rid of everybody if he wanted to drain the swamp. I mean, all he's, all he's done is complain about the deep state and how the deep state's against him and the CIA is against him. And all that's true. They are against him. But he was there for four years. He could have gotten rid of all of them. And he didn't. So it's hard for me to sit here and say, okay, are we going to give this guy another four years to do what? What's changed? Now, I will say that Trump did give a, an incredible statement on, on, on foreign policy and the wars. And I hope he sticks to it because it's not enough not to just start new wars. We need to bring these, start bringing these people home. We need to start closing these bases overseas we need a drastic reduction in, in our presence around the world and the way we do things. On a practical level, we just can't afford it. We can't just keep printing money out of thin air and borrowing it from China to run our world empire. We can't keep doing it. Not the, let, let alone the moral questions of it. Let me see if I can find this, this, the Trump speech, the thing he did about the wars. Let's see. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, here we go. Um, I found it. Uh, let's listen to this for a second, because this is, this is really strong rhetoric. Let's take a listen. World War III has never been closer than it is right now. We need to clean house of all of the warmongers and America last globalists in the deep state, the Pentagon, the State Department, and the national security industrial complex. One of the reasons I was the only president in generations who didn't start a war is that I was the only president who rejected the catastrophic advice of many of Washington's generals, bureaucrats, and the so-called diplomats who only know how to get us into conflict, but they don't know how to get us out. For decades, we've had the very same people, such as Victoria Nuland and many others just like her, obsessed with pushing Ukraine toward NATO, not to mention the State Department support for uprisings in Ukraine. These people have been seeking confrontation for a long time, much like the case in Iraq and other parts of the world. And now we're teetering on the brink of World War III. And a lot of people don't see it, but I see it. And I've been right about a lot of things. They all say Trump's been right about everything. None of this excuses in any way the outrageous and horrible invasion of Ukraine one year ago, which would have never happened if I was your president, not even a little chance. But it does mean that here in America, we need to get rid of the corrupt globalist establishment that has botched every major foreign policy decision for decades. And that includes President Biden, whose own people said he's never made a good decision when it comes to looking at other countries and looking at wars, we have to replace them with people who support American interests. Okay, so you get the gist there. I mean, that's really strong language to come from a president, a former president, about foreign policy. Um, and I got to say, he, he's a thousand percent correct with everything he's saying. Everything he said there, he's a thousand percent correct. You know, so... You know, in listening to that rant from Jeremy, and he's getting, you know, I can understand. I can understand why people get so passionate. That the war issue is one of the biggest issues for Trump voters. It's it's one of the same. It's the same reason they voted for George W. Bush in two thousand when he ran on a platform of no nation building. And then, yes, sure, nine eleven happened. It happened. Okay, it happened, um, and everyone was pretty much on board with going into Afghanistan. And then what happened? We went into Iraq for for God knows why, for their own selfish purposes, because of Halliburton and whatever the fuck. Okay? Obama, same thing in 2008. And I remember because I voted for Obama in 2008. He was going to put a stop to all this all this foreign adventurism. He was going to put a stop to the wars. He was going to close Guantanamo Bay. 
He was going to fight smarter, not harder, right? Did that happen? No, he was another shill for the military-industrial complex and companies like uh, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon. Who knows how much money they gave him, okay? So this is a big issue for, for populist movements of all kind. Bernie Sanders voters, the, the, the foreign policy and the war issue was a big issue for them too. And it gets people impassioned because it should. It's the, it, there's no more important issue than the war issue. Now, that being said, you know, to call someone an idiot because, you know, they might they don't want to vote for Trump because of everything that happened with COVID. I got to be honest, I kind of get where that guy's coming from, too, because that was fucked up, man. People lost their jobs because they wouldn't get a vaccine. People lost their livelihoods because they locked down the country, which was supposed to be for 15 days. That didn't happen. It was 15 fucking months. So, yeah, I can get why people maybe are so upset about that, too. So, you know, people have a tough decision to make. You know, people, especially people on that side of the aisle. You know, it's tough. You've got DeSantis, who was great on COVID, but who knows how he is on everything else. Okay, and you've got Trump who was great on things like war. And the proof's in the pudding there. So I don't care what you're reading or what you're hearing on on left wing media, if that's what you listen to. Okay, But compared to his contemporaries, he was really good on that issue. Okay, just keeping it in context. Um, You know. But he sucked on COVID. He was horrible on COVID. Horrible. So it's a tough choice. I don't think it's that cut and dry. Um, you know, but for, for people that don't understand why, you know, someone like Jeremy would go off like that and would talk like that and be so Im- impassioned, you know, I mean, he's right. I mean, soldiers are dying all over the place. When you get into a war like Iraq, any of these wars could turn into a war like Iraq. Any of them. And of course, that's just our soldiers. Let's not talk about the the innocent civilians in these other countries that are getting blown to hell. And then we wonder why they want to fight us. We wonder why these things happen, okay? We wonder why people want to spend five years planning an attack to hijack airplanes and fly them into buildings and kill themselves why someone's willing to do that it's because we've been over there bombing their countries for decades that's why it's not because they just hate us because they hate us are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna kill yourself in an airplane by hijacking an airplane just because you you know you just hate those russians just because you don't like them. You don't like the way they do things. You don't like their form of government. You don't like their culture. You just really don't like them. Or are you more likely maybe to do it if, you know, Russian planes are dropping bombs on your city every a couple of months? You know, or have been, been pumping money and, and, and funding your, your local enemies for decades? You know, and, and maybe a bomb dropped on your neighbor's house and killed their kids. Or killed one of your kids, God forbid. I could see why someone might want to seek revenge after something like that. I think anybody who has kids could. So, anyway, I you know I, I was listening to Jeremy's stream, and of course, like I said, I love Jeremy's streams. I you know I love his channel. Um, you know, a lot of it's a lot of fun. Of course, it's a lot of pop culture stuff. Um, so you know, I think everyone should go over and if. Go follow Jeremy uh, D Day Cobra on Twitter uh, and Geeks and Gamers. Uh, you know, if you like pop culture, especially, uh, you know, go follow uh, what they're doing over there at Geeks and Gamers because it's just tons of great content. And I know the amount of work that, that goes into putting that kind of stuff out. And uh, I, there's few people in the space uh, working harder than Jeremy, and that's for sure. So, um, all right, let's move on to the next topic here. Uh, something a little lighter. Um, so I'm I'm very involved 
uh, in the libertarian sort of space. Um, I used to be a member of the libertarian party. I'm not anymore uh, for, for sort of personal reasons. Um, not personal reasons like I had a personal problem with somebody, but it's it's more of a rel- for religious reasons. Uh, I'm a I'm a Quaker. I don't believe in joining factions of any kind, political parties, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but um, I do kind of you know I am a libertarian. I'm you know small L libertarian. Uh, consider myself an anarchist, um, and so I follow a lot of what goes on in that realm. And uh, one of the things that's really was kind of going around over the past week was this idea of Joe Exotic running for president as a libertarian. Now, uh, and and he and uh, Angela McArdle, who is the uh, chairwoman of the Libertarian Party, were kind of going back and forth about this. I I mean, so how the how how is Joe Exotic tweeting from prison? I don't understand that how that works. Right. Like Andrew Tate was doing it. Obviously, it must be somebody doing it on his behalf. Right. He doesn't just have a cell phone in prison where he's tweeting. So someone is fr- a friend of his or something is doing it for him. I'm sure. Um, but uh, I thought it might be fun to play Joe Exotic's little campaign video that he posted to his website. And then uh, I just want to get my thoughts on it and then also just comment on the idea of him running as a libertarian. So uh, let's check this out. First of all, I'm as gay as a $3 bill. Second of all, I've had some of the kinkiest sex you've ever seen. Third of all, when I was young, damn right I tried drugs. What the hell do you think is we're going to sit back and lie about all this bullshit? I'm broke as fuck. I know nothing about politics, but I can goddamn guarantee you I listen to the people's voices. Not the rich people, not the corporate America. I listen to the people that are paying the salaries of all you bastards. But, you know, the coolest thing about running a campaign is you put it all out there on the table. They either like you or they don't like you. And they ain't got nothing to talk about. Trust me on that one right there. Okay. So so just to give you a visual, he's he's standing in front of a lion um, wearing this hot pink magenta shirt. Uh, he's got a cane and a knee brace on and uh, Dale Earnhardt sunglasses. And um, given that little that little speech, given making that video, I mean, look. So, first of all, I love how he starts off like uh, he's saying he's gay as fuck. Like, like okay, <laughs> like that's that's what you lead with. That's your that, that's the first thing you say in your campaign announcement is that you're gay. You're gay as fuck. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I love the internet. I really do. Um, and I, you know, I, I think Joe Exotic ran for president last time. I think, um, but I just want to, you know, I want to address. Just, I mean, the, the video is ridiculous. It's absurd. I, he's an absurd human being. Um, and uh, I was actually, I was watching a news story about it when I was, I was kind of prepping for the show, and uh, it was on Fox News. And Dana Perino, who is a sort of known animal lover. Uh, mentioned the fact that he was imprisoned for, among other things, for animal abuse. Uh, and that really seemed to piss her off and make her upset. And she was saying, you know, like, people don't like animal abusers, you know, especially in America. And uh, and the guys, the guy's in prison for a, a murder for hire plot. That's why he's in prison. I mean, the animal abuse thing is bad, but he, he tried he tried to have like a, a person killed. I don't know if Dana is aware of this. Um, that's a little bit worse, I think. And that that being said, she's totally right. Uh, people in this country definitely care way more um, if they knew that he killed uh, a, a, a tiger or a dog. Oh, God, if he killed a dog, lock him up and throw away the key. Uh, but the murder for hire thing, eh, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? These things happen, you know. Um, but... Uh, so basically, Angela was basically like telling him just to go away. You know, the Libertarian Party doesn't want to indulge loony candidates anymore. And his comeback was, oh, you're, you're such a libertarian. You know, uh, I thought I thought everybody could uh, have a voice. I thought you guys believed in freedom of speech, you know, and um, it's my right to run for president, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All this all this shit. Um, 
And I, I think, I think Angela is a thousand percent correct on this one. Um, the Libertarian Party, um, anybody can run, can come to the convention. Just, and this is sort of how it works. It's interesting because the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, they have, you know, they have state sanctioned, state paid for primaries that people vote in. And then they have a convention, but it's not really a convention. It's a commercial for whoever it is they want to be their nominee. Okay. The libertarians have a traditional convention where delegates have to show up and then they decide who they basically have their primary or their vote right there at the convention. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. I, I always like to watch it because it's, it's interesting to see how it all works. Um, and it can be messy, but it works. So anyway, the Libertarian Party um, does have an obligation to allow this person as long as if, if they become a delegate and they get are credentialed and they show up to the convention, um, you know, they can run for no the nomination of the Libertarian Party for president. Now, Joe Exotic's not going to be able to show up to the convention. He's in fucking prison. Um, but I think technically um, somebody else could put his name in nomination. I, I'm not sure of the technicalities of it, um, but Angela, as the chairwoman of the party, is under absolutely no obligation to support this person or to endorse him. You know, as the chairwoman of the party, she's responsible for what she thinks is, is in the best interest of the party and for libertarianism in general, perhaps more importantly. Uh, you know, and so I think she's right. She shouldn't indulge Joe Exotics, you know, trying to hijack the Libertarian Party and the Libertarian philosophy for his own whatever the hell he's doing. Um, you know, I, I for him to come back and say, oh, what about freedom of speech? No, it's, it's not about that. She's not saying you can't say what you want to say. She's not even saying you can't come to the convention or send an emissary to the convention and and run for president she's not saying any of that shit she's just saying she doesn't like you she's just saying that you're a joke she's saying that you're uh, i mean she's not saying you're a piece of shit but i'm saying it you're a piece of shit i'm saying it she's telling her people and and her supporters and the people the vast majority of the party that put her into place she's telling them don't take this guy seriously uh not that they need to be told that Okay, but it's 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 incumbent upon her to give the obvious response to such a ridiculous notion like Joe Exotic running for president of the United States. So I support Angela a thousand percent on that. I think she's a, she's totally right. Her response was spot on, as it usually is um, a big supporter of Angela and. I usually agree with most of what she says and does. So anyway, I thought that would, that would be just a fun little thing to talk about quickly. Um, all right, let's move on to the next thing. Um, let's see. All right, so I wanted to talk briefly uh, about what's going on in WWE. So WrestleMania was this past weekend. Um, it was a big shocking finale. Um, everybody thought, Cody Rhodes was going to beat Roman Reigns. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, Roman Reigns retained the title. And it's, you know, it's it's a big deal in the world of wrestling and the people who watch it because Roman Reigns has had the title now for almost a thousand days, um, you know, which is almost three years. Um, and that's a long time in professional wrestling. Usually these titles change hands every six months or to a year um, uh, at the most, let alone three years. Uh, so I think a lot of people thought this was the moment. This was the time. Didn't happen. And there's is a very controversial ending. Uh, me personally, I thought it was the right choice. Uh, I don't, you know, if, and you know, I, I'm talking to my wrestling fans here. If you're not a wrestling fan, a lot of this is going to go over your head. But uh, you know, like I said in the first episode, I have a lot of different interests. I'm going to talk about a lot of different things. I'm going to try to explain things in a way that the average person can understand. But some of the stuff might go over your head. And, um, and that's fine. And, uh, you know, thankfully there's, you know, there's a skip button if you want to skip past a certain topic, but, um, you know, you can't have <clears throat> the guy who beat Brock Lesnar three times in a row lose to Cody Rhodes, who, you know, he's a good wrestler and everything. And, but 
the the WWE champion is for all intents and purposes is basically it's like saying whoever the most popular guy in wrestling is at the time. You know, whoever is the fans like most at the time. Uh it has to be somewhat believable even though we all know it's a, it's a work and it's you know it's a put on we get it. But like any good piece of entertainment that you know isn't real, you want to lose yourself in it. And so if it's not believable, you're not going to lose yourself in it. Um, and to me, it's not believable that Cody Rhodes is going to beat Roman Reigns, who, like I said, so Brock Lesnar is, right, he's called the beast. He's he's a force. He's a massive human being. UFC champion. Um, you know, he famously beat The Undertaker for the first time at WrestleMania. Uh, you know, he's a legendary wrestler. One of the most legendary wrestlers of all time. Roman Reigns beat him three times in a row. And then you're going to have him lose to Cody Rhodes. I never thought, I never felt like it was the right move. And I'm glad they didn't do it. Now, the way they pumped it up. I mean, I don't know where they go from here with Cody Rhodes. I mean, the angle I would take here, if I was them, is that, if I and if I was Cody and I was the one of the writers and I was pushing this, I would you know I would play the angle of, hey you know hey Roman like have you won a match by yourself? Have you won a match without any help from anyone else without outside interference? Because the one common denominator with all of these victories he's had, especially of late, is he's got help from you know the Usos and uh, Solo Sokoa and all the other members of the Bloodline and Paul Heyman and. There's always someone else, you know, putting their hands in the pot to help to, to help them out, as was the case here. Um, so I'm actually going to let so I, I'm going to let Jim Cornette uh, break this down real quick. And uh, he'll kind of, you know, he'll, he'll Jim Cornette is a genius. Uh, he's especially when it comes to wrestling. Obviously, he's just he's the best. And I, I, I listen to his show all the time. Um, so I'll let him break down kind of what happened and uh, we'll hear what he has to say. And then I'll. Um, you know, I'll kind of comment on that and give you the rest of my thoughts here. Um, so let's do that. Let's do that. And then uh, I'll tell you the rest of, of what I think. Fought on their knees and they went back and forth. And then Cody hit the jabs and the flip flop and fly and the bionic elbow. And the people are up again and the crossroads and a second crossroads. And as he's pulled him up, and he's going to go for another one. Heyman jumps up on the apron and draws the referee. And Cody's standing there for longer than he should have been. And then in comes Solo in a hoodie in disguise and hits him in the throat with the spike. And Roman hits the ropes after he's been flip-flopped and flied and bionic elbowed and crossroads twice. Roman jumps up, hits the ropes, and spears him. One, two, three. Cody is defeated. And it went. What do you think, Brian? I was really getting into it by the end of it. And when Solo hit that spike before the pin actually happened, I said, oh, no. And then Roman won. Like everyone disappointed had expectations going into this we talked about the lex luger comparisons it wasn't even that i feel bad for cody wwe you know paul levesque during the press conference after the fact said we have our story we're still telling it this is still the beginning of the bloodline story so they don't see cody winning it as you know they see cody winning it maybe the same way they saw sammy winning it this is just another step to whatever the bigger story is. It better not be Dwayne Johnson coming back to end the bloodline. It has to be someone being made because of this. And Cody was in that spot. I mean, the big question I have coming out of this, I mean, Roman and the bloodline, the storyline will continue starting tonight on Raw. But for Cody, even if he wins the title now at some point, it doesn't mean as much as it would have. Okay, so as you can hear there, I mean... Both Jim and Brian, uh, Brian Last, who's his co-host of, uh, for the show there, um, both thought that Cody had to win this match. 
that this was it, that, that, that you know, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it now. Um, you know, I don't agree. I don't know. I don't agree with that. I do agree with Brian that, you know, you can't have the rock come in and put a stop to this whole thing because he's right. You gotta, you gotta use this as an opportunity to put someone new over. Um, and I mean, but at this point you need like Hulk Hogan 2.0 and who, so who's it going to be? It's got to be a baby face. It's got to be at this point. Um, so, you know, I know some people are talking about Gunther, uh, you know, if he goes baby face, maybe possibly we, I mean, we haven't seen how popular he can be as a baby face. Uh, other than that, maybe you bring Braun Breaker up from NXT and maybe he makes a run. Um, but I don't know who else there really is. And I think maybe that's part of the point. It's like, this is, this is, there's nobody else. It's Cody's the biggest baby face in the company right now. You know, I, I think that best case scenario is they sign MJF from AEW. He comes in, uh, he would be the one to do it. He's the only guy in pro wrestling, you know, when you look at any of the promotions, who is on Roman's level at this point. You could have said Brock Lesnar at one point, and I think Brock could have beaten him, but he didn't. And Brock's been reduced to, you know, fighting almost at the at WrestleMania and just doing spots here and there, and he might be leaving again, so who the hell knows. But he's his stock has been reduced because of Roman. The only person who's really been untouched by Roman is MJF and and The Rock. And I agree with Brian. I think that'd be a mistake to have The Rock be the one to end it. I, I you know, unless unless The Rock came in and did a full year of programming, you know, um, and it was a whole thing like, you know, I'm the real head of this bloodline type of thing, and it, it could make sense. But I know that I know the way that they would do it, and they'd have him come in last minute, and he'd win, and it's just it's cheap. It's a cheap way of doing it. So, you know, I, I think I think it's MJF, but I think he's under contract until 2024. So unless Roman's going to keep this belt for another year or two, he, he's part-time as it is, they're in a tough spot for sure. They're in a tough spot. Um, Now, they could split up the belts, right? Because there's two, which is stupid. It's stupid that there's two belts. It, You know, it's... God, man, it's so much more interesting and exciting as a viewer there being one champion than two. The women's division is suffering because of this because you've got Rhea Ripley, who's probably the most popular, uh, not just women's wrestler, she's one of the most popular wrestlers in the entire company. But her victory over Charlotte on night one of WrestleMania was clouded by the fact that there's another champion and there's another championship match happening the next night, which people cared way less about, by the way. But it still clouds it. You know, she's not the champion. She's a champion. And and so um, I, th I think combining the tag team belts made the match with the Usos and Sammy and Kevin all the more important, too. This whole idea of having two champions, one for each program, Raw and SmackDown, is, it's, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. Every, you know, <laughs> everybody should be on both shows. This idea that some wrestlers are on SmackDown and some aren't. If you're going to, you know, just have everybody jumping around from show to show and you don't know who's going to be on what show week to week. They just jump around. Sometimes they're on Raw. Sometimes they're on SmackDown, whatever the case may be. You know, and the, maybe the reason you have two shows is that one is more PG and maybe you bump the other one up to TV 14 and it's a little bit more edgy. That's what I think that's what you do. Uh, but in terms of the title, I, you know, I, I think I get where Jim and Brian are coming from with Cody, but I still, I, I don't think it made sense for him to win. And I think at this point, I think, I think you're holding out for MJF. I really do think that's the best they can do. I really do. I, there's nobody else. There's nobody else. And, and that would be huge when that would finally happen. And it might be worth all this time, you know? Um, and Roman would still go down as the greatest, probably the greatest champion of all time. Um, but you'd have someone that is super over and that everybody loves, um, winning the title, you know, even as, even as a bad boy, right. He could still be a baby face and be 
acting like a heel, right? That worked really well for Stone Cold for a long time. Um, so anyway, those, that's my thought on that. Um, there is a, there's a couple people I wanted to get on to talk wrestling with me. Um, and I'm, I've reached out to them and I haven't heard back yet, but hopefully, um, I'll, I'll get somebody, somebody on to talk wrestling because it's fun to talk about. All right. Uh, lastly, um, I just want to touch on the Mandalorian really quickly. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, um, I just want to play star Wars theories reaction to this latest episode because it was the shits. The absolute shits. So I'm going to play that real quick for you, um, and you'll hear his reaction. Yeah. That sucked. So we have two episodes left. <laughs> you can't make this up. We have two episodes left of The Mandalorian. And we literally had a side mission to a side mission. Like, am I, am I crazy? Are they going to call me toxic for this? Chat, are they going to call me toxic for this on Twitter? I mean, personally, I don't give a shit. But this is ridiculous, dude. We have two episodes left, and this is what we get? Like... This feels so commercialized to me, man. It's just like dragging on and on and on to get to like maybe five to ten minutes of actual important stuff every episode. Like I feel scammed. Yeah, I think that's I think that pretty much says it all. Uh feel scammed. Yeah. I <laughs> I agree. Uh he's right. It's the last five minutes of the episode actually had stuff happened that is consequential to the show. The rest of it was just fluffy, stupid nonsense where they wasted a bunch of time, had nothing to do with anything. And there was a cringy as hell cameo by Lizzo and Jack Black. Jack Black, at least like he's a, he's a good performer at least it was still cringy, but Lizzo, I'm sorry talented musician as she may be is not a good actress just took me right out of the story there's also a cameo from uh, christopher lloyd who you know did a pretty good job and I, I love christopher lloyd but even even that whole thing it's just it was just ugh, just wasted and then you've got grogu who's basically just a pet at this point grogu's big scene in this episode was helping Lizzo win a match of space croquet. That was his big moment in this episode. So we've reduced Grogu down to playing paintball uh, with Mandalorian teenagers and helping Queen Lizzo of Planet Who Gives a Shit uh, play space croquet by using the force to help the ball go through the hoops. That's why we trained with Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, is so that, and that's why uh, John Favreau decided it was so important to pull Baby Yoda away from Luke and put him back in this show so that he could fulfill his destiny, helping Lizzo win a game of space croquet. This is a new low, and I said it on Twitter, and I had people pushing back on me, but. If I was given the choice and I had a gun to my head, I would I would much rather watch The Last Jedi than watch this garbage. Now, The Last Jedi had much bigger ramifications to the larger Star Wars universe in, in, in a in profoundly negative way by completely ruining the character of Luke Skywalker. So I get that. But just as like on their own, you know, like like sort of in a vacuum, like you just just as pieces of quote unquote entertainment. If it's a rainy day and I've got two choices. And I have to pick one. Right. Falling asleep isn't an option. I have to watch one. I'd much rather watch The Last Jedi than watch this first six episodes of Mandalorian season three. It's that bad. It's that bad. And this last episode was the worst of the worst. It's the worst 
I think it's the worst piece of Star Wars since the Christmas special. Which people don't even really include when they talk about Star Wars content. Because we all know how ridiculous it was. This is on that level. That's what it feels like. Hot garbage. And yeah, I think fans feel scammed. This is It's, it's commercialized shit. It's, it's commercialized bullshit. That's all it is. Baby Yoda could have been such a cool character. He really could have been, but he's he, he's he's reduced to nothing. He's he's a prop. Is there an award at the Emmys for best prop? We could give it to Baby Yoda. He could win the award for best prop. I say we give it to Baby Yoda. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the show for today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Kind of a long show today. Um, please like, share, and subscribe, uh, to my YouTube channel, uh, where I, I post clips from the show, um, you know, about the different topics. Uh, but you can also find the podcast, uh, right now, still not on Apple podcast. I'm not sure what's taken so long. Uh, I'm going to look into that, but the show is on Spotify. It's on Podbean. It's on, um, a bunch of different, uh, it's on iHeartRadio. It's on a, a bunch of different podcast apps. So you can find it there as well. Um, so please like, share, and subscribe, share with your friends. Thank you all for listening. I will see you all soon. You've been listening to the Shut Up, You're Always Talking podcast. I gotta go. Go where? We just got I got that thing. I gotta go. With pizza artist Eric John. Uh, wait a couple of minutes. We'll all leave together, okay? This way you don't go out like a bunch of hobos staggering out one at a time. Please like, share, and subscribe. Now go home and get your fucking shine box.